everyone, welcome back. I'm your co-host, Jackie Spinell. And I'm Hannah Meira Plotkin. Let's dive right in. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 44, I think it is. Wow, that's crazy. Almost at almost at one year of dive right in. We have really, I know we say that all the time, but we really have grown so much since the beginning and I'm so excited to see where this takes us as usual. So instead of doing an icebreaker this week, we wanted to, we, uh, we actually wanted to highlight Black History Month. So as you know, February is Black History Month where you know we can um, recognize all of the you know all the history that black people have gone through in this country and the injustices that they continue to face each and every day you know and their you know their history through slavery and you know Jim Crow South and even today there's there's so much racism going on and also you know as we all we're always talking about Black Lives Matter which is you know a huge a huge racial racial justice movement going on right now. So we actually, this episode, we won't be talking solely about Black History Month. We will actually be talking with Tracy, who has been on two previous times. She's an amazing guest. We love to have her every single time she teaches us something new. She's so insightful and just everything she says is very inspiring and you know, very, very interesting. So we're excited to have her on again to talk a little bit about racial inequality and also talking about, you know, why it's important to educate younger people, um, even, you know, elementary school kids on the problems and the racial problems going on in the world. So I'm excited for that interview. But Hannah, would you like to talk a little bit about um, what Black History Month is briefly? Yeah, sure. I think that Tracy is an incredible role model and she does a lot of advocacy work as well. So it's been great to speak with her so many times. So Black History Month spans the length of February. And even though February may be the shortest month, it's an incredibly profound time to truly dedicate to education and we really see a lot more representation in the media during this time and of course it's great to have more black and african-american representation specifically during this month it's also important to remember that we should be educating ourselves and giving uh, people of color the space to talk and listening to the black communities as much as possible year-round and it shouldn't solely be something that we're participating in uh, during the month of February, even though it's important to also do it during February, if that makes sense. Um, so I wanted to read a little bit, a little excerpt that we found online that sort of highlights the importance and the vitality of African American studies. Uh, so the value of pursuing African American studies is gaining knowledge and an understanding of the past and present situation of African descended people in the United States. This discipline prepares students to critically examine, explore, and, and analyze unique experiences of African descended people. So this sort of speaks to the importance of education. And when I think a lot about education, I think of how there's a lack of education and minority rep representation in schools and in textbooks and all these things. I can think a lot more about how a lot of times textbooks aren't necessarily using correct terminology um, in certain cases. And so it's important that we're taking the time to call for what's needed and call for what's right um, during this month, 
So black history is often suppressed in the media and in school education, and thus it's really important to take the time to highlight it. And so that's sort of our goal with this episode, not only to speak about the importance of Black History Month and Black Heritage Month, but also to speak further about what we can be doing as allies for the black community. And this is truly what we wanted to accomplish with Tracy. For sure. And you bring up such a great point of, you know, textbooks not always using the right terminology. I remember, I think it was maybe second grade or something where I was, we were learning about um, just the whole Black community in school. And my teacher in the textbook kept using the phrase African American to represent all Black people. And I remember I went to my babysitter later that day and I was asking her about her history. And I was asking if she was African American because, you know, she was of, you know, a darker pigment and, um, she, well, she's Black. And she was like, no, I'm from Trinidad. And I was like, so you're, so you're African-American. Everyone who's black is African-American. And she was like, no. And I never understood it until I got a little older. And I realized that that was actually the incorrect terminology. And black is actually the universal, universal term for, um, for these people of color specifically BIPOC people. And, you know, next week, again, we'll get into all of these terms and we'll, we're definitely going to, going to spend the entire episode again, just talking about, you know, uh, what Black History Month is, why it's important, and we'll be giving a platform to people who have gotten the recognition and have not gotten the recognition that they, you know, that, that they deserve. So it'll be really interesting. And please be sure to reach out to us if you have any, you know, specific historical Black figures or even modern Black, Black um, powerful figures who you would like us to give a platform to or just discuss. Yeah, Jackie brings up a really important point of representation. And I feel like we're always talking about representation throughout various topics. And this just shows how integral it is in multi, in different conversations. And it's a very multi, multi-faceted uh, discussion to be having. And, you know, I'm sure further down the line, we will be dedicating solely an entire episode to representation. And I can't wait to hear from people of different minority backgrounds. But for now, it's important to remember that Black History Month isn't here to drive a white savior complex. A lot of times, like Jackie was saying, sort of white people or people that don't identify with the black community or um, with the African-American community, sort of like to advocate and speak for them, which clearly isn't fair and just isn't a firsthand account. So it's not really doing anything. Uh, so this just pulls at these ideas of allyship even further. And there's this quote by President uh, Gerald Ford that I feel like really embodies the spirit of allyship that I wanted to highlight. So he said, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every endeavor throughout our history. And I really liked how he pulled it history as well, because I think that Black people were doing amazing things throughout all of history. And a lot of times people are only talking about recent discoveries. It's really important to not only highlight what was going on during the civil rights movement, but the fact that Black people have been doing so much throughout history. Um, and I think that I can relate this more to sort of women and gender studies, but a lot of times people are highlighting what women are doing today rather than what women were doing 
years and years and years ago. So something that really comes to mind when I think about this with the women's suffrage movement is how Rosalind Franklin discovered the DNA helix, but the credit was given to James Watson from the famous duo Watson and Crick. So it's important that we're remembering that similarly to the women's suffrage movement, and I'm not trying to compare these movements at all, but I think that there are similarities between the way that people are oppressed, um, that Black people have you know, constantly been sort of the behind the scenes character. And a lot of times the white people are the people that get the credit. So it's important that we're giving everyone the honor that they deserve, like President Ford was saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think actually, I think we talked about this exact situation way back when we had the women in the workplace episode um, when we were in kind of our girl power mini series. I think that was over the summer. So make sure to tune into that episode um, if you have the chance. So without further ado, enjoy Tracy's episode. It is super insightful, super interesting. And yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. It's so great to have you back. Um, for another interview. And we're really excited to talk today about racism and representation, especially in relationship to Dr. Eddie Moore's book, Little E, The Big Misunderstanding. So would you like to start us off by introducing yourself? Yeah, hi, it's good to be back. My name is Tracy. Um, I'm 15 and my pronouns are she, hers. And I'm just basically very passionate, passionate about anti-racism work and promoting, you know, a more just and fair society because I do feel that everyone deserves, um, you know, equity and be deserve to be treated the same no matter, you know, your race or however you identify. And I think um, by doing this, you know, being on this podcast, I think you guys are doing a really great job at promoting that. So thank you for doing that. Of course, and thank you for being back for I think a third time, which is, we're always so happy to have you. So can you talk a little bit about your history with anti-racism work and just sort of when you first became engaged in it? Yeah, so I actually um, first got really into you know, anti-racism work and diversity work in the seventh grade. Um, in the seventh grade, our school had a kids of color um, meetings. Um, and that was the first time I've ever been to any sort of affinity group. And it really opened my eyes, like hearing other people's experiences about being, you know, a person of color, a kid of color in a predominantly white independent school and it just really opened my eyes and opened the door for you know what I'm doing now like promoting anti-racism work and promoting the idea that everyone no matter their background deserves to be treated equally. That's incredibly important and Jackie and I talk a lot about community here on the podcast and especially how recon reconciling with a community um, is real is a really important foundation. So I think it's incredibly important that we have that your school was able to create this club, and I hope that this um, will be a great starting point for other schools to do similar work as well. This sort of ties in, but how has your heritage and your upbringing really influenced your outlook on society, and more specifically, how you've become involved in in anti racism work and and more equality? Well, um, it's sort of ironic because 
I'm very close to my background to sorry to my heritage and my background. I was raised in Jamaica for most of my childhood and being there, you know, everyone around me looked like me and you know we shared um like we shared the same background. There wasn't much diversity in terms of race or ethnicity, but um when I moved back to America you know, it was definitely a culture shock because there's just so many different people who identify in so many different ways. So I guess being a part of that community that was, I guess you could say, quote unquote, the same, and then coming back to a community that was so diverse, it really opened my eye and to say like, you know, that there are people out there who live in their own world and I was one of them. I didn't know about, you know, diversity and how different people could identify in different ways. And so that definitely made my work more strong because I wanna make sure that people are educated about different people and different backgrounds and making sure that they're tolerant in their accepting of those differences. I, I think that's really great. And we, we talk a lot about here on the podcast, we talk a lot about, um, you know, being being in somewhat of a bubble and not not seeing all of the, I guess, the cultures around us and in our society where we're often just oblivious towards it um, subconsciously. So I think it's really great that you're able to see these, or you have been able to see these multiple cultures over the course of your life. And you're only 15, which makes it even even more um, awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's really great. And then you also use that to to uh, promote equality from that. So we wanted to uh, also talk about the difference between tolerance versus acceptance. So what is our responsibility to promote acceptance over tolerance? Yes, I'm so glad that you asked that question. You know, tolerance is basically like, oh, you're not bothered by something, but you're not also going to go out of your way to defend that thing. And with acceptance, you're, you're really hearing other people's perspective and being there for them and accepting, you know, um, their differences and making sure that it also ties in with em with empathy when you when you're accepting um, someone's uh, identity, you're, you're not just like, oh, okay, you're this, um, it's not my problem. You're basically you know, showing your continuous support for that person. Yeah, totally. I think that that's an incredibly valid point. And I think that this is something that we see a lot, especially when talking about representation and sort of uplifting voices um, versus like speaking for other people as well. Um, I wanted to circle back for a second and talk about how acceptance and education correlates to Dr. Eddie Moore and the work that he's doing. So can you speak to a little bit more about who Eddie Moore is and sort of tie us into his book as well? Yes, so Dr. Eddie Moore is um, a diversity worker and um, he does a lot of anti-racist work and he is now in the process of creating a conference surrounding privilege and um, how 
different people have different priv privileges depending on how they identify themselves with. And um, he is also a public speaker. And one of the ways that he is trying to educate others on how to become a public speaker and basically talk about the things that you're passionate about um, to standing up for yourself. Um, he does that in his new children's book, which um, I'm, I'm happy to talk about later. Um, but yeah, his work is really important because he creates a space, not only like with conferences, his books, um, and just being a leader for young people to work together to be a leader and to be a public speaker and to promote more anti-racist work in the society that we live in today. I think that's great. And I think that diversity work in general is so important and kind of, you know, what you're, what he's emphasizing and, and what you're here talking about. So we're also going to get into, um, you know, what, why it's important that we acknowledge our privilege. But right now, can you talk a little bit about why his diversity and just diversity work in general is so important? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm um, going back to the um, point about being in your own bubble, bubble, when you're kind of living in your own world and not acknowledging or not educating yourself about the different people around you, you, you become ignorant of those identities. And that's not a good thing because there are so many people out there who don't have their own voice and need the voice of others with privilege to speak for them because yes, it's enough to fight for my rights, but it would make much, much more of a difference for people who don't have the privileges I have to speak for me. That makes total sense. And you bring up a ton of really important points. And I think I'm seeing a lot of these points kind of in action today, um, yeah. seeing the Biden administration uh, trying mm -hmm. to take a more active stance against racism yet still seeing, especially on social media, sort of the polarizing divide. And so it's definitely an important topic to bring up. Uh, continuing on the lines um, of learning more about who Dr. Eddie Moore um, is, how does acknowledging our privilege sort of correlate to the work that he's doing? That is such a great question. And it does tie back um, it does go back to what I was talking about of speaking for other people. And I want to make sure that you understand when I say speaking for people, in no way am I saying to silence, um, and for instance, saying silencing Black voices and kind of being the quote unquote white savior. But when you acknowledge your privilege, you acknowledge the fact that there are some things that I'm going to use white privilege as an example, but there are many different um, instances of privilege. But acknowledging white privilege is so important because you have to acknowledge and admit the fact that there are some things that you as a white person can get away with that someone who isn't white can't. And when you acknowledge that, the people around you who aren't who aren't white feel safe enough to confide in you and know that you are 
in ways an ally. But if you don't acknowledge your white privilege, again, you're going to be ignorant and it's going to make things harder for the people who are struggling and don't have the privilege, the privileges that those people have. So acknowledging your privilege is so, so, so important for the people, not only for yourself, for yourself to kind of educate yourself and know who you are, but also to the people who don't have those privileges so that they can have a chance at basically like fighting for their rights and fighting, you know, for their people. I, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, white, white privilege is such a prevalent topic. And like you said, there's so many other types of privilege, but this is, this one is so particularly relevant because, you know, just, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw the Capitol Hill breach, which was a clear uh, form of white supremacy. And especially when we relate that to, for example, the Black Lives Matter protests and the responses there, which, which we have talked heavily on, but it is such a prevalent topic. I can't express that enough. So we definitely do want to circle back to this and talk more about this topic of white privilege because it is so important. But transitioning a little bit more to Dr. Eddie Moore and the book that he is he recently wrote and is promoting called Little E, The Big Misunderstanding. Can you please just share a little bit about what that book and what that book is and talks about and why it's so important that it is to have these conversations with younger children? So Little E, The Big Misunderstanding um, is a children's book and it's about a protagonist, Little E, who comes upon a misunderstanding and he gets accused of doing something that he didn't and he struggles to find his voice and to defend himself and to show people that, you know, he did not um, do what he was accused of. And I think um, this book is so important for little children in so many ways. And one of them is um, representation. Um, representation, especially um, to the youth is so, so, so important for so many ways. And one of them is, you know, when you're in the media, in TV shows, in books, when you're seeing characters that you can't relate to or don't look like, or or who don't look like you, or you don't um, see similarities with, you start, you know, as younger kids, it's important to introduce, introduce younger kids to characters who they do relate to, who they can't understand, who do look like them. Because if not, then they're just going to grow up, they're going to grow up not being able to relate to those characters. They're gonna be wishing, oh, like for instance, I as a young black girl growing up, I did not watch a lot of TV shows with black girls. I didn't, didn't read any books with black girls. I had white dolls and I grew up in envy and saying, I wish I had those blonde hair and those blue eyes. And I wish I had this and I wish I had that. And especially in this book, it shows kids that, oh, I, as a young Black boy, um, relating to little E, I, as a young Black boy, 
can have my own voice and I can um, defend myself in times of trouble, you know? And but young kids can find their voice through that and they can defend themselves when they're being accused of a big misunderstanding. And one way that this happened not too long ago was an instance where a 14 year old black boy was accused of stealing a white woman's phone. And that poor boy did not know how to defend himself. And thank God that his father was, was there to defend him. But if young readers are um, reading books like these and that are teaching them how to defend themselves as a black, per as a black young child, not just how to defend themselves, but how to, the to defend themselves being in the situation that you are a person of color is so, so important because not everything, not every excuse works for everyone. And that plays such a great role in white privilege. Wow, that was so powerful, Tracy. And this idea of finding your voice and really learning about the power of your voice is incredibly important, especially for marginalized communities and people coming from diverse backgrounds. And at the beginning of our podcast, this was probably around like episode like 14 or 15 or something, uh, Jackie and I spoke about this a lot as well. And I think that you really further this point as well, just to go, just to show how much representation really matters. And we'd love to uh, further discuss this a little bit later in the interview. The book brings up a lot of really valid points about society and the ways in which our society acts around um, BIPOC people. Uh, so in what ways does this, does the criticism in this book show uh, how much our society has left to improve and why are some of these topics taboo as well? And just, you know, sort of speak to the stigma about that as well. Oh yeah, okay, definitely. So I think this book does a good job at criticizing society today because like, like I said before, there are many instances where people of color encounter big misunderstanding based on stereotypes of those groups. And not only does it like teach young um, kids how to deal with that, but it shows that we as a society have to do better and not to, you know, accuse people, especially people of color of degrading things just because of all of those stereotypes that they have grew up learning to be true, which they aren't. And I think it pulls up a great point that it is important for children of color to learn how to carefully defend themselves. But it also brings up the fact that us people of color shouldn't have to grow up learning these skills in the first place. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, I as a black person, I we've had the talk in our family and I can speak for almost um, every black person that we've all had that talk with our family like what to do when you see a cop what to do when you are pulled over what to do when you are accused of doing this and that what to do when you're um, on a late night run at night right and other people do not have to grow up learning that so I think this book does a really good job at showing that showing that because a certain set 
group of people have to be brought up learning these skills that other people don't is unacceptable and it shouldn't be the case in the first place. So I think um, like, I feel like even, even, even though this book is such a great book for black and brown young children to read, it is also a great for people with privilege to read, people, white kids to read, because they can see, oh, I, they, they, by reading this book, can acknowledge their white privilege and say, oh, I don't have to go through this. So it is my job to make sure that people who don't, who do go through this, their voices are heard. So I think that's a really important um, thing that this book, that this book does. I, I think you bring up so many great points, Tracy, and I think this truly is a very, very sad reality. I cannot emphasize that enough. And something that I see so often, just to you know, talk about it in my own experience from somebody with white privilege. I know I've talked about this with, with one of my family friends multiple times. She's been pulled, not to name drop or anything, but she has been pulled up over multiple times for just driving too fast or whatever by cops. And you know, she has been, she's privileged enough to say oh I'm sorry I really have to go to the bathroom or I'm sorry my daughter's in the backseat and really has to go to the bathroom and you know they let her go and because of that she's never received a ticket before and I just I think about that and then I think of these stories of people of color and specifically black people who just get the polar opposite um I guess, con condition from, from yeah. police or just in general. And to have to be, to have to have these talks and have to, you know, set specific rules or just have certain actions that you must do when you come in a situation like this just really goes to show how prevalent white privilege is. And it's, it's sad. And, and, um, yeah, it's 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 really it's a it's an unfortunate reality. So how talking more about racial inequality in general and more about representation, how are racial injustices and baseless hatred correlated, and how does this further relate to representation? Well, for one thing, racism is built off of hate, one hundred percent. You know, racism is systematic. And it was built uh, in this country, like starting with slavery, like this country was built on the backs of black people. And it was built because of that hatred um, of, of our people, of my people. And I think social injustices, like it's built solely off of hate. You know, hate is taught, hate is taught. Um, you, you're not just born with hate. Oh all of the social injustice that we're seeing today is built off of stereotypes, racism, ignorance, just all of these negative factors that is built from, you know, the source of hate. It seems as if the commonality between so many uh, marginalized communities is like this idea of baseless hatred, no matter if it's called xenophobia, anti-Semitism, or racism. I think that it's the unfortunate thread that sort of links us all together. And with that, how can we learn, how can we um, sort of teach ourselves to unlearn the bias and address internalized racism that so many people um, hold in their, in their hearts? For one, I always, my 
whenever I get asked this question, I always say, educate yourself. Like educating yourself can go such a long way. If you just take the time to just read the news or just read up on current events, you know, and to check up on those marginalized group that are your friends, you know, check on your black friends, check on your Jewish friends, check on um, your friends that are LGBTQ+, like all of these groups, you know, want to listen to them. It's enough to just ask them how they are doing, but you have to actually want to listen and not just doing it because, oh, it's expected. You have to listen to their voices and want to listen and want to understand where they're coming from and what their opinions are. And just take your time out of those and take your time to build up your knowledge by educating yourself on your own time, because that can go such a long way. When you learn the history and you know the experiences and you truly look deep into how all of this came to be, it'll make such a difference. And you will put like your ignorance aside. If you put your ignorance aside and just be open-minded, you don't have to um, go in thinking, oh, they're just trying to change my mind because everyone has the right to their opinion. But if you just be open-minded and at least, at the very least, try to understand why other people think the way that they do, it can go such a long way. I, I think you bring up a great point just about checking in on others and making sure, you know, we're all, we're all just, we're a community, all, all trying to fight for equality and it's just important that we're all doing it um, as, as one. So I, I'm curious about this. I think actually last time you were on, you talked a lot about social media. So I'm curious, so there are there are Instagram accounts, for example, called So You Want to Talk About It or Impact and many more that talk a lot or just give a lot of resources and talk about um, many of the Black lives lost due to police brutality or also from the um, death penalty and just systems like that. Are these by, by just... Um, liking these posts and maybe calling a number and reposting these posts. Is that a good enough job or a good enough way for people to spread the message of anti-racism? And I know you talked a lot about educating others, but where else, where else, can, or educating yourself and educating others, but where else can people go um, from, from Instagram to make a proactive change? Oh my gosh, this might be my favorite question. I love that you asked this. Uh, there's just so much I can say about this. Okay, I feel like social media has, like, especially now, has been such an important source and way that people do educate their, themselves. And once they follow th these pages constantly, like, like us, as a generation like Gen Z, like we are constantly on social media and we are constantly on our phones. So when we follow these pages that are actually trying to inform us of serious injustices that are going on, like you can just be scrolling and on your feed, um, you know, like something will pop up like, oh, this happened today, blah, 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 or here's what, here's what's important. Like, um, like, you know, all of these topics and they can see them um, they can choose to ignore them or they can choose to choose to like it. Um, but I feel like that's where social media is flawed 
is because you can easily like dismiss it. And I think that that's like, I am so upset um, to know because um, there has been two times uh, this past year um, where two men of color were executed, but we, the people, had a chance to do something about it. We could have saved a life just by calling that number or just by signing that petition. So yes, it is enough, but no, it's not because there are people who are ignoring these um, posts and feeds and just not going out of their way. Like, yes, it's enough to, um, you know, repost certain information so that people who are ignoring it can constantly, constantly get back to it because so many people are spreading it around and spreading awareness. For sure, a hundred percent. And we talk a lot about um, performative activism where people don't necessarily take the steps to educate themselves, but rather just do it because it's a trend. And I see this as an incredibly uh, pressing issue as well in correlation to uh, racism and just the suppression of marginalized voices. Um, and I feel like circling back to the white savior complex that you were discussing earlier, I feel like there is such a correlation between the two. So uh, can you describe the ways in which the white savior complex sort of plays into the suppression of BIPOC um, and and diverse voices? Yes, most definitely. Um, They're like, basically what a white savior is for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is. um, A white savior is kind of like, picturing this narrative that you cannot achieve anything without me, a white person. And there are many movies out there with white savior complexes. Um, And believe it or not, The Help is one of them. And I know that that's like one of, like that's a really popular movie because of its, I guess, like um, its correlation inclusion of black people and black people telling their stories but the success of that person would not happen without a white person in that movie and so exactly what a white savior is it's basically the idea that um i success and you cannot do it on your own and the problem with that is basically as like what what i just said like you're silencing the black voices and saying that and creating a bigger stigma that black people cannot do things on their own, don't have what it takes um, to, I guess, like be powerful and have a voice. And so I think that's why being a white savior um, is something that creates a much an even bigger problem in social justice for sure I completely agree with that and it's it's something that I I definitely do also see a lot of um, in just culture and society in general so on the flip side of that what is the responsibility of white passing people to uplift diverse voices the reason um, why it's such an important thing for white passing people to uplift their voices is because yes, you are like, like say for instance, like um, a mixed person, um, you know, has a much lighter skin tone and, you know, is white passing and looks white. Because 
the racism and the stigma towards um, um, the suppression of black people, they are people are more likely to listen to someone who is white rather than black. And that ties so much into white privilege as well. So it's important to use that privilege of your own. Um, so yeah, you're able to have that privilege, even though you are a person of color, because your outward appearance, your outward appearance alone gives you that privilege. And like, that's something um, that I think that even the black community needs to realize because there are a lot of like interior conflicts between, you know, like light skinned um, black people or even like white passing people and um, those, but yeah, those of people normally really disassociate themselves from the black community and they think that it is not their job to uplift black voices because they think that um, because I'm white passing, I don't need, I don't, I don't experience the same injustices that people of darker skin, skin tones do. Like I, I'm above, I'm above it all and not it all. Okay, I am above those people and it is not my duty. They have to fight for themselves. But in reality, it's the complete opposite because you have that outward appearance um, that gives you privilege. It is so, so important um, to, to uplift the voices of others. You did an amazing job describing that. And I think it's, I'm definitely going to take this upon myself as well. And I think that there should be like this like weekly challenge to try and educate ourselves a little bit each week. And I see this less as like everybody has to educate themselves fully right this second and more as a like take the time to do it correctly sort of yeah. thing. I definitely think that it's important that we're all taking the time uh, to do that as well. Uh, I think that this is, you sort of touched on this before, but it seems like especially um, on TikTok, there's a lot going on where um, black voices and black videos have been suppressed. And so what kind of role does social media have in this? And um, is there a way that we can combat this, even though it seems as if the big companies are kind of fueling it? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a lot of problems with social media accounts like TikToks and like their, their algorithm. And they tend to suppress you know black creators and some things that i've seen um been ha some things that i've seen people do um is they create um during the summer there was like a black talk day i i really don't remember what it was called but basically on that day like when you came across either like a black creator on your for you page you would like you would you would only like um, black creators for that day, just so that it could give them a little bit of a boost and a little of like a more fair opportunity, um, you know, for like those videos to go viral instead of just, you know, like a white pretty girl doing nothing in front of the screen, you know, and um, not to say that, you know, uh, white people don't deserve like the platform that they get but just to give those black people who are being suppressed a little bit of a push 
so that they can be on the same playing field, if that makes sense. So I think um, it's our job as people on the app is to like leave a comment saying like, oh my gosh, that you're so talented or wow, I really liked what you did. You know, that can push the people who are suppressed on the app to be on the same playing field on the app. I think you bring up so many great points. And I know Tracy, you recently actually started your own uh, uh, BIPOC run small business, which I think is really great and just great representation, which we've talked so heavily on throughout the throughout the episode. But I'm curious for, for a final question, what advice do you have for aspiring activists and people interested in fighting anti-racism in general? Do not give up. I know that's cliche, and but it's true. It definitely is true. Like there are some times, um, and also take mental health breaks. That I actually, yeah, take mental health break. Uh, mental health breaks is the best advice I could give because at some point, like it gets overwhelming. Like I've had my fair share. Like I've had to like log off of Instagram for the day or like delete Instagram for a couple weeks just to take a break from all the news and you know because seeing all of the things that are happening in the world can get very mentally draining and it's just like you're doing all that you can but nothing is happening so when you take those mental health breaks it'll definitely make you stronger like taking a break from all of those um, all of that news and coming back with a fresh mind and a new way and new ideas and on how to spread awareness and how um, to educate people and how to do anti-racist work and social justice work. It'll definitely open your mind more and it'll definitely give you the motivation to continue doing that. So yeah. Um, Tracy, throughout this entire episode, you have been very insightful and you have taught us a lot and taught us a lot also about to recognize our white, white passing or white privilege and to, you know, just be the best people we can be and just to be there for our friends and in general. And yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that you could join us for a third time. Thank you. I'm glad to be here as well. Thank you so much, Tracy, for spending so much time to speak with us. It's always such a blessing to be able to hear from you and hear your insights and your perspective, because I think it's really important just to listen to different minorities and really educate ourselves. And I think that listening to this podcast is a first step in sort of educating ourselves, but that we should be furthering this educational pursuit as well. So I think Jackie and I are going to definitely make it an effort to continue to link uh, resources in the description and I urge everyone to just take five minutes to check one out. Um, I think that something that Tracy touched on really well is how racial equality has always been prevalent and as of right now it looks like it always will be prevalent. We need to be holding people accountable for their racist attitudes and actions and I think we touched on um, internalized racism as well and how we have inherent biases. And so when she was talking about baseless hatred, it's important to remember how this is so deeply correlated to the portrayal, especially from the media, of these marginalized minorities. So it's really important that we're taking steps to sort of address this. And I think that 
as Tracy was saying, and this is a really big one, and I think that everyone sort of overlooks this, no matter how much it is stressed, it really is this educational component. I think you can argue knowledge is power, you can argue innocence is bliss, um, and I can definitely make cases for both. But I think that right now in this moment, we need to be standing on the side of knowledge is power and we should be standing on the side of justice and we should be standing with our brothers and sisters of different faiths and different backgrounds, even if this isn't necessarily an identity that we, that we identify with. Exactly. And that brings up the entire idea of just allyship, which is something that, you know, we discussed in the LGBTQ plus episode, which is something that we discussed throughout this episode with Tracy. And it's something that is so important that we do, especially, you know, as me, I identify, you know, I am white and I, you know, what I can do right now is, you know, be an ally and that's how I can be there for other people. And I think with this, I think in the future, Hannah and I, we were talking about how we would also love to do episodes talking about, you know, the injustices that Asian Americans um, receive in this country and Latinx people and just people of all these different minorities. And, you know, it's, we would love to just, um, get a feel for all of these different um minority struggles but i think i think that this this interview with tracy was a great first step and i also loved how we discussed you know overall racial inequalities not necessarily from a blm standpoint but just from an overall standpoint of just like looking at history and looking at modern day as a whole and i think it's just important as always to emphasize that um, even though BLM isn't necessarily trending, or maybe it is trending, you know, more than it was uh, uh, maybe like five years ago, or even or even this time last year, it is still important to, you know, always important to fight for what you believe in and to stand up for what you believe is right. So wrapping up this this episode, I briefly just wanted to, you know, touch on once again, like we did in the beginning of the episode that next week, which it will be our last episode of February 2021, we will be spending the entire episode discussing Black History Month. So it will be different from this from this episode. Um, we will be talking about what is Black History Month, why it is important and discussing many historical Black figures who have and have not um, gotten or been given the recognition or the platform that they deserve. So please contact us if you have any particular Black historical figures in mind that you would like us to discuss or give a platform to. I think that this will be a very interesting episode and definitely one to look forward to. So I'm very excited for that and I hope you all enjoyed the episode as usual. That's it for this week's episode of Dive Right In with Jackie and Hannah. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at Dive Right In, as well as our website, www.diverightinpodcast.weebly.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. You can leave any additional feedback at diverightinpodcast at gmail.com. And you just dove right in. <laughs>